Hey there, let me grab your attention for just a moment. This episode of Toon Lord Done Right is sponsored by Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And here's how. First of all, it's free. And Anchor's built-in creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And you can make money from your podcast with minimum listenership. So if you've ever thought of starting a podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, now on to the show. One more day. What would you give for one more day? For the loved ones who are gone too soon, imagine the horrors you would face for one last embrace. Would you give an arm or a leg, your ability to bear children or even your faith to see once more your loved one's face? Come with me as we explore these and other complex ideas of love and loss as we observe the eternal tug of war between pseudoscience, faith, and morality. Today, on Toon Lord Done Right, we are swept into the mystic, mysterious, the action-packed, gut-wrenching, and tear-jerking story of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Done Right, a podcast where I take a moment to give you a quick lesson on a film, TV show character, or concept in animation. You can call me Dave the Tutor, and I'll handle your lesson for today. If you like nerdy, cartoon, anime, and pop culture stuff, both nostalgic and new, then you're in the right place. And since you're here, you can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at ToonLordDR. You can also support me on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash ToonLordDR. And while I have you here, I want to give a shout out to all of the patrons who get early access to episodes, additional content, and access to the Discord community. Thanks to everyone who has been listening to and sharing the podcast. And shout out to Revert for suggesting this episode. And one more thing, please write a review on Apple Podcasts or on my website, ToonLordDR.com. So, with that being said, check the syllabus, pull out your notepads, and let's jump straight into the subject overview. Full Metal Alchemist began its life as a Japanese manga by artist and illustrator Hiromu Okara. The manga began in August of 2001, which ultimately resulted in 27 volumes consisting of 108 chapters and over 900 total pages. This year marks the 20th anniversary of the manga's first release. The popularity of the manga would later spawn two separate animated series, an animated film, and a live-action Netflix original movie. At the time of this recording, all of those are available on Netflix, but as you know, the Netflix library changes frequently. The first series would take the name of the manga and would be followed up with a movie called Full Metal Alchemist, The Conqueror of Shambhala. This series continued before the completion of the manga and took some creative liberties with how the series wrapped up. The live action movie would attempt to compile the major events of the stories into a two hour film, which actually had some strong points, but ultimately falls short because it's trying to condense the entire story into that one film. However, in my humble opinion, the second animated series titled 
Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is the definitive TV adaptation of the source material's focus on morality and how much of one's morality they are willing to give up to reach their goals. When talking about the moral boundaries of the scientific journey, there's a video titled The Philosophy of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, made by Jared from Wisecrack, the YouTube channel. And it states, quote, Brotherhood forces us to question the value of single-mindedly clinging to science and the consequences of reducing all knowledge to scientific terms, a mode of thought loosely known in the real world as scientism. He goes on to say, when philosophers critique scientism, they're not saying that science is a lie. What they're criticizing is how we put scientific knowledge above all other knowledge and how we try to reduce all other forms of knowledge into it. End quote. All right, take a deep breath. I know that's a lot to take in right now. But if you want to know more about the topic and Jared's perspective, then you should check out his video. I'll leave a link in the show notes. And the video is about 20 minutes long. However, I must warn you that the video spoils literally everything about the show. So if you have not watched Brotherhood, then stay far away from it until you complete it. Or unless you don't care about spoilers, then you can go watch it, do whatever you want. In a nutshell, to sum up the story of Brotherhood, Brotherhood calls us to be cautious about blind faith in science and any other worldview. Science and faith are single ideas or pieces to how we explain the world. The show demonstrates that one isn't inherently better or worse than the other, but the blind following of either will likely lead to destruction. While doing my best to avoid major spoilers, we'll see this play out later in the episode. Brotherhood is a mature show with mature themes. Even though it is rated on Netflix as TV 14, I don't believe that it should be looked at as a kid's show or a show just for teens. Along with shows like Cowboy Bebop, Samurai Champloo, and maybe Psychopaths, Brotherhood is one of the shows that I would recommend to people with more mature taste in new anime. It's fantastical enough to be an example of how anime and manga tend to operate with all of their tropes, but it is grounded enough so that you won't need to suspend all of your disbelief all at once. Now that we have the proper framework, let's hop straight into the Toon Lore 101. Oh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is a 2D Japanese animated television show or anime that ran weekly from April 2009 to July 2010. The show was produced by the anime studio Bones, which has a long resume of hits. Some of them are Attack on Titan, Batman, Gotham Knight, Case Closed, Utica 7, Evangelion, Inuyasha, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Kill la Kill, Mob Psycho, My Hero Academia, Naruto Shippuden, The Will of Fire, and many, many more. If you want to know more about their involvement in these shows and more, I have a link for you in the show notes. Now, Brotherhood follows the exploits of state alchemist Edward Elric and his brother, Alphonse. They journey to find and or create the fabled Philosopher's Stone. As alchemists, the brothers operate under the law of equivalent exchange, meaning that no object can be created from nothing and no object can be completely destroyed. Matter can only be reduced to its component parts, whose sum is equal in mass. For example, an object with a mass of 10 grams can only be transmuted, changed, altered, or modified into another object equaling 
10 grams. The Philosopher's Stone is thought to have the ability to create without restrictions, even life itself, a practice that is strictly forbidden as life is an unquantifiable force. Okay, let's take a step back. For those who are not familiar with Full Metal, that's probably a lot to take in. So, I'm going to take a moment to define a few terms and concepts now so we don't have to do it later. First, we have alchemy. Alchemy is the ancient metaphysical science slash mystical art of manipulating and or altering matter by using natural energy through an act called transmutation. The common sequence of transmutation is comprehension, destruction, and recreation. Basically, you can't make stuff out of thin air. In order to successfully do alchemy, you have to understand the chemistry of the object you're changing and have the talent, ability, or aptitude to break it down and recreate it. Most alchemists specialize in a single area of alchemy, such as transmuting fire. Next up, we have the transmutation circle. This symbol can be drawn or made with anything, whether it's pencil, chalk, drawn in the dirt, or pre-made and printed on clothing. If you haven't seen a transmutation circle before, it looks kind of like a super complex version of Da Vinci's Proportion of Man. The circle acts as a conduit to focus energy through. Equivalent Exchange Equivalent exchange is the concept that in order to get something, you have to give something of equal value in return. You can't create something out of nothing. For example, you can't make gold out of dirt. With all that being said, I actually think that the narrator of the show will explain it better than I could. Alchemy, the science of understanding, deconstructing, and reconstructing matter. However, it is not an all-powerful art. It is impossible to create something out of nothing. If one wishes to obtain something, something of equal value must be given. This is the law of equivalent exchange, the basis of all alchemy. In accordance with this law, there is a taboo among alchemists. Human transmutation is strictly forbidden. For what could equal the value of a human soul? Then we have the homunculus, or homunculi for plural. And this refers to an artificially created human brought to existence or recreated by using the art of alchemy or alchemy-like methods. And then we have the state alchemist. A state alchemist is an alchemist that works for the military. A position as a state alchemist is highly coveted for a number of reasons, with access to information being the driving force for our main characters. And finally, we have the Philosopher's Stone. The Philosopher's Stone is a powerful transmutation amplifier. Due to alchemy abiding by the law of equivalent exchange, the Philosopher's Stone gives the perception that the law can be bypassed. The truth behind the Philosopher's Stone, however, is much darker and more soylent green than anyone realizes. Now, before we get into the characters, let's take a moment and just let all of that sink in. I know alchemy, transmutation circles, equivalent exchange, homunculi, state alchemists, and Philosopher's Stones. It can all sound like a foreign language if you haven't watched the show before. And speaking of foreign languages, I will say that I've watched Brotherhood in both English and in Japanese. I watched the Japanese version first, so there are certain characters like Greed that the Japanese voice, to me, is just tied to him. However, I do very much enjoy the English voice actors. I think that Funimation did an amazing job with the dub, and keeping many of the English voice actors from the original series was great in my opinion. 
Okay, so diving into the characters, it's going to be a little trickier today because of the nature of how anime is consumed by Japanese and non-Japanese speakers. Now, I ain't about to get into sub versus dub, which is better and what's worse, but I will name both the English and the Japanese voice actors in the show today. Brotherhood has so many amazing characters that I really wish I could get to them all, but I'm going to try and stick to the core cast. Full Metal Alchemist. To start off, we have one of the main characters, Edward Elric. Edward, also known as simply Ed, or as the Full Metal Alchemist, that's the name of the show, it is, is a driven character who is steadfast in everything that he does. Once he sets his mind on something, it isn't a matter of if, but when. Even as a child, he showed great intelligence and determination. At a young age, both Ed and Al lost their mother and chose to use the forbidden art of human transmutation to bring their mom back. However, in the process, he lost his arm and a leg, while Alphon lost his entire body. Using his quick thinking, Ed was able to save his brother's life by putting his consciousness into an inanimate object. Luckily, there was a suit of armor nearby that he could use. As for himself, he couldn't use alchemy to compensate for his lost arm and leg, so his childhood friend and mechanical engineer, Winry, fashioned a robotic replacement called Automail. More on her later. After failing to get their mom back, Edward changed his focus to fixing his mistake and restoring his brother's body. In his mind, near the beginning of the story at least, the best way to do it would be to obtain the Philosopher's Stone. Water, 35 liters. Carbon, 20 kilograms. Ammonia, 4 liters. Lime, 1.5 kilograms. Phosphorus, 800 grams. Salt, 250 grams. Saltpeter, 100 grams. Sulfur, 80 grams. Fluorine, 7.5. Iron, 5. Silicon, 3 grams. And trace amounts of 15 other elements. What's that? It's all the ingredients of the average adult human body, down to the last specks of protein in your eyelashes. And even though science has given us the entire physical breakdown, there's never been a successful attempt at bringing a human to life. There's still something missing, something scientists haven't been able to find in centuries of research. His Japanese voice actor is, and forgive me if I butcher some of these names, but his Japanese voice actor is Romy Park, who can be known for his work as Maki from Air Master, Nana Osaki from Nana, and Hiromi from Lupin III. As for his English voice actor, we have Vic Migliana. Now, Vic has done characters like Broly from Dragon Ball Super the movie, uh, Matt from Digimon, Captain Kirk from Star Trek Continues, and Obito Uchiha and Nagato from Naruto Shippuden. Now, moving on to his little bro and the deuteragonist of the show, we have Alphonse Elric. Also a victim of the failed human transmutation experiment, he exists solely as a suit of armor with his soul bound to it by alchemy. In many ways throughout the story, he acts as the moral compass of the show. We often see that despite his young age, about 14 or 15 years old, his emotional maturity is nearly unmatched. His Japanese voice actress is Rei Kujimiya, who has played roles like Karen from Bleach, 
Flora Skyboom from Boswash and Happy from Fairy Tale. Now his English voice actors changed from the original series to Brotherhood. The original actor named Aaron Dismuke was fairly young when the original series aired, and by the time Brotherhood came along, his voice had changed pretty significantly. However, in addition to his other roles like Shura from Yu Yu Hakusho and Sante from the Tokyo Ghoul series, he was able to be a part of Brotherhood still by playing a young version of Ed and Al's father in a flashback. And finally, we have Ed's second English voice actor, Maxie Whitehead. She may be recognized as her portrayal as Dende from the Dragon Ball Z Kai and Corona from Soul Eater. Next up, we have the childhood friend of the Elric brothers, Winry Rockbell. Winry is the main supporting character of the series and is one of the few people that can put the bullheaded Edward in his place. She is a mechanical engineer and is the one who builds and maintains Edward's automail, which replaces his arm and his leg. She gives the brothers a great deal of emotional support and can come in clutch even though she is not a fighter like many others on this list. Her Japanese voice actress is Megumi Takamoto, and after doing a bit of research, I don't really recognize any of the shows that she's been in. So shows like Card Fight Vanguard G is a mystery for me. As for her English voice actress, Caitlin Glass, I know her as Mina Ashido from My Hero Academia, Vados, the angel of Universe 6 from Dragon Ball Super, Vivi slash Miss Wednesday from One Piece, and Rose from the video game Tales of Zestiria. I love the Tales games, and speaking of video games, she is also the voice of Kami in Street Fighter V. Then we have my personal favorite character of the series, Colonel Roy Mustang. Heralded as a war hero, he is the superior officer of the Elrics. Known as the Flame Alchemist for his mastery of transmuting fire, he functions as the Tritagonist of the series. While on the surface he may seem a bit aloof or carefree at times, this is likely a facade to deceive those who don't know him very well into underestimating him. He is remarkably accomplished and capable and aspires to be the next commander-in-chief of the country. He is often supported by his closest and most trusted friend, Riza Hawkeye. He trusts her with his life, so much so that should he ever stray from doing the right thing, he has given her express permission to literally shoot him in the back. Now, if that ain't trust, I don't know what is. Now, his Japanese voice actor is Shinichiro Miki, who I know as Takumi Fujiwara from the Initial D series, Zamasu from Dragon Ball Super, and Pedro from One Piece. His English voice actor is Travis Willingham, and he has roles such as Cannonbolt from Ben 10, Wilson Fisk from Spider-Man Miles Morales The Game on PS5, and Thor in many of the Marvel animated series such as Avengers Assemble. He is also Zetsu from Naruto Shippuden and Knuckles from the Sonic Boom series. Now, moving on to some of the villains, we have the main man himself, Father, also known as the Dwarf in the Flask. Father is a being that takes the form of a human, but sees himself as truly above all. Here is a quote from him, and it'll really help you to kind of get inside his mind a little bit. <clears throat> when you see an insect lying on the ground, do you stop and consider it a fool? The life of an insect is so beneath you that it will be a waste of your time to even consider judging it. That would be an accurate summation of my feelings towards you humans. End quote. 
Now, Father is a menacing force, truly, whose knowledge of alchemy is nearly unmatched. He is narcissistic, callous, merciless, pitiless, graceless, and if you can think of any other word to put the suffix less behind it, it'll probably describe him well. He sees every other living being as beneath him and as a pawn for him to use, even his, air quote, children, the homunculi. While the homunculi have personalities and goals of their own, all stemming from deep-seated inferiority complexes or loneliness, Father ultimately just uses them. Each homunculus is based on one of the seven deadly sins. There is pride, wrath, lust, gluttony, sloth, envy, and my personal favorite, greed. Well, my favorite homunculus, not my favorite of the sins. You know, I mentioned this a little bit earlier on, but I just thought that his Japanese voice actor, Yuichi Nakamura, brought so much gravitas for the role that I just kind of fell in love with it. <laughs> However, each of them brought their own unique flavor to an already amazing story. And in addition to the homunculi, we have so many other amazing supporting characters such as Van Hohenheim, Ling Yao, Scar, King Bradley, Fu, Mei Chang, and I'll end off the list with the literal best character in the entire series, Maze Hughes. And I'm not just saying that because we share part of a name. He is just so likable, lovable, honorable, and he's such a just great character. I don't know of anyone who dislikes him. His presence in the show just elevates things, and he has a certain moment in the series that I won't spoil, that each time I watch it just leaves me absolutely speechless. Now, with that business out of the way, let's move straight into the hookshot. Full Metal Alchemist now we've come to the portion of my show that I like to call The Hookshot. This is where I watch some or all of the show or film at hand, and if I'm hooked, then I think you should give it a shot. Think of it as a mini-review. Now, I don't like giving numbers or letters to my reviews, so my ratings will be skip it, try it, watch it, or binge it. Now, starting with the plot... Brotherhood is a tight narrative that tells a compelling story. We quickly get invested in the Elric brothers and their goals as we slowly understand the gravity of what they're reaching for. We learn that characters are not always what they seem as this anime pulls out the duality of black and white or strictly good and bad thinking. There are some shades of gray that we are sometimes forced to accept. There are seeds of hatred and betrayal and even racism, but also themes of friendship and redemption. The tone bounces expertly from the dark to the lighthearted, balancing plot lines of murderers with a running joke of Edward and his short stature. The story, which is driven by its characters, kept me interested in coming back for more each episode. The characters. Now, the characters are strong and believable. Nearly every decision is character-driven. If I were to give some criticisms, though, I would have given more screen time to Colonel Mustang and Maze Hughes. The story wants us to believe that they have a good and solid friendship, but it will be more believable, in my opinion, if they had more screen time together. In this regard, I think that the original series did things a little bit better, and it is my hope that I'm not taking my knowledge of the original series and using it to inadvertently fill in gaps for Brotherhood. 
There are also some places where they attempt to use 3D animation joined with 2D animation for some of the action scenes and it doesn't really hold up all the time. With that being said, if you can't tell by now, I really do enjoy this show and view it as one of the anime classics. I would recommend it to practically any anime watcher and it will be one of the few shows that I would recommend to non-anime watchers. While I do have some personal gripes with the series, like the final battle with Wrath, the merits of the show far outweigh the issues that I have. Even after all this time, the show overall still holds up. Now, the animation is tight, the characters are dope, the action is inventive, and the pacing is good. So, what would I rate it on a scale of skip it, try it, watch it, or binge it? I would give Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood the TLDR rating of binge it. It's best taken in all at once. Now, with the grade in the books, let's turn on the black light. Full Metal Alchemist! Now, before I let you go, I want to take you to the part of the show that I like to call the black light. Here, I scour the farthest and darkest corners of the internet to showcase a piece of work or an artist that has piqued my interest. Sean Tate is an artist I came across when reading through the Blurred.com website as he designed one of their second anniversary t-shirts. You can find Sean Tate on Instagram at Sean Tate underscore S-E-A-N-I-M-E. And I'll put a link to his shirt design for Blurred.com in the show notes. These designs are limited edition, so you will have to grab them while supplies last. When looking through his art, you can see influences from video games, comics, and anime. My favorite piece of his art so far is a piece called Codename Academia, where he took the characters from My Hero Academia and drew them as numbers one through five from Codename Kids Next Door. I love his style and his work, and I'm also a fan of what he's put in his Instagram bio. Also, check him out on YouTube and subscribe to him at Sean Tate, where he has a number of Let's Draw videos, where he does a time lapse of his drawing process for characters like Mohawk Storm, Red Riot, Black Panther, and more. I highly recommend that you check him out right after you leave a review for Toon Lord and Riot. Now, all members of my Patreon will have access to a full list of each artist I highlight in the Blacklight section of each show. So join up so you can see more dope work. With all that being said, this has been Toon Lord Done Right. And don't forget to like, share, review, comment, and subscribe. You can make suggestions on future episodes by joining the Patreon or hit me up on Instagram and on Twitter at ToonLordDR. Your time is precious, so I'm so grateful that you've chosen to spend it here. Now, there's a saying that I like, and I just kind of want to leave this with you. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. So until the next time I can give you the TLDR on a film, TV show character or concept in animation, it's been real. <laughs>